y'all. Welcome to Benevolence, where kindness matters and all are welcome to the table. I'm your host, Ceci Diaz. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Benevolence Podcast is a ministry where we uplift and encourage through testimonials and conversations that are important in our Christian walk. I pray that as you tune in every week, you are blessed, empowered, and encouraged to be the best version of yourself. You are tuning into Episode 8, Addicted to Broken. On this episode of Benevolence, I have a very special friend who is joining me at the table to tell us her story. This young lady is an amazing woman of God, and she is a true servant. She is always willing to serve in any area of ministry and is a loyal and true friend. My guest has a powerful testimony about overcoming issues of identity, depression, self-harm, and suicidal thoughts. This story encourages us to hold on to God in those deep, dark moments. It also shows us how God can help us break through those seasons in which we are addicted to broken. So without further ado, I have the pleasure of having my friend, Jay Sanchez, join me at the table today. This conversation was recorded virtually due to our season of social distancing. I pray you are touched by this amazing story. Enjoy. So Jay, thank you so much for joining me on an episode of Benevolence. Um, Back in early, no, earlier this year, I asked you to be part of Benevolent Wednesday. And um, I had you feature you know, your story, a snippet of your story, give us a picture because we wanted to honor you. And um, from that moment, like, I knew that there was just more than what you had sent me um, at that time. And your testimony runs a lot, like very parallel to mine. And um, I just want to, I wanted, I want to give you this platform. I wanted to uh, give you this opportunity to tell, tell us your story and what, and what God has done in your life. And um, I just thank you for your willingness to be here. I know it takes a lot. I know that the process is hard. The process is hard because like when I first, two years ago, two and a half years ago, when I first decided I was going to tell my full story, I had to talk to family members. I had to talk to, um, you know, people that just didn't understand. I had to talk to my mom who didn't know anything. I had to talk to my aunts and uncles who did the best that they could to protect me all this time. And little did they know that I was going through stuff. And it's, it's a hard process trying to, you know, at least, you know, trying to just, you're reliving those, those, those moments, you know, where you suffered the most and, you know, but this, but as we relive these moments, you know, we realize that it's all for his glory. It's all for God's glory at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, God saved us. God redeemed us. God, you know, we overcome our we overcame our obstacles, and now it's just a matter of using our life and using our testimony to bless others, to uplift and to empower. And I know that that's what's going to happen in just a few moments with your story. So, thank you so much, Jay, um, for being on a, a Benevolence Podcast episode. And this episode is all about you. So, without further ado. Go ahead and let us know and tell us um, what God has done in your life. Okay, so before anything, I want to thank you for this opportunity. I think that what God is doing through you with benevolence has been incredible. And I'm just blessed to be able to have this platform to finally be able to share a story that I feel like I haven't spoken about in its entirety. I feel like people know bits and pieces, Mm -hmm. but even whether it's people in my family or my friends, a lot of people don't know. So I'm just excited to share and I'm excited to 
to speak with you. Amen. <laughs> so um, my testimony, it pretty much starts at the beginning. Um, my mom, she recalls this story of me being a baby in her arms and she saw like this orb of light shining down on me. And at that moment, she was like, my daughter was chosen. My daughter was called by God. Um, but I would imagine that at that very moment, the enemy chose me too. Like at that moment, I, I picture like this hospital room, like God in one corner saying, that's my daughter. And I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. But I imagine like the devil in the other like corner having this whole plan, like that's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to destroy it. So um, I felt like I was just targeted at a, at a young age. And my relationship with God, like at first, it was it was innocent. It was untainted. There was no corruption in it. I just knew myself and God. Um, I hadn't gone into the word yet, but it's crazy looking back at home videos. Like I used to pray like crazy, you know, and I'm like, where was that girl? Like, I just, I was fearless with, with prayer. I didn't, I I wasn't nervous. I wasn't insecure. I was just like, this is God and God is my friend and I know God. Um, and when I heard your testimony, uh, the first episode, it was crazy because you talked about like seeing into the spiritual realm a little bit. And I was like really aware of both angels and demons. Um, but it got to a point, this was at the age of five, but it got to a point where um, all I saw was darkness. All I saw was demons. And it was kind of like having a conversation with you and I, it was like as real as that. And I see adults now, like they rebuke evil, but I didn't know. I didn't know about rebuking. I didn't know about like casting things out. So I'm just sitting here like, this is my normal. So it made me really numb to the darkness that would come into my life. Cause I was just like, there's no need to rebuke it. So if something came to attack me, I was kind of just like accepting it. Um, as the years went on, I went through a lot of bullying in school. So I went into school and the first time I was bullied, I was in first grade, but so much happened uh, beyond that, that I had no idea that it would get worse. You know, at first it was just like, Oh, bullying her because of the photo. And then it was, no, it got physical. So I got beat by other kids. I got made fun of for my weight, height, looks. People made sexual assumptions about me. And I would get death threats online. It was hard because there was no escape to it. It was, I went to school and I would get bullied there. And then I would go home and I would be online. And this was when, you know, the internet was already there, but this is where like social media started like popping off. And mm-hmm. so I would go online and it was like death threats or people telling me like, go kill yourself. And so at this moment, I'm like, you know, probably like 12, 13. And it, it was really hard to handle. I got bullied for the entirety of my school life. This is actually the first year that I'm in school where I have not been bullied. Wow. So it was just my whole life. Um, so as I, as I continue my testimony, I want to make clear that while this whole, um, testimony is going on, I was bullied the whole time. So, um, I move on to, to talk about sexual confusion. I, I, um, from the age of 11 or 12, I began to feel a heavy attraction for other girls. I had no real understanding of what it meant and, or how I should approach those feelings. And before I told anyone, I had everyone around me label me with assumptions and I used to hate it. Like one thing about me was you call me by my name. <laughs> you don't call me by a sexuality. You don't call me by anything else. You call me by my name. And it's it's ironic because I had no idea like anything about the identity that I had in Christ, mm-hmm. but it's just crazy that I, I did not want to be associated 
with anything that was worldly. It was just, I had a name and you identify me by my name. But I was confused. And instead of receiving understanding, all I received were accusations. So when I came out, no one took it well. And I was confused because I'm like, y'all made assumptions. Like you guys were telling me who I am. I come out and then now like, apparently y'all didn't know, (laughs) you know? So it was just hard. But I want to make a disclaimer with this is with no hate, no blame, no resentment towards anyone. I genuinely feel like people around me had no idea how to respond or how to handle it. Mm-hmm. I don't blame my family, but I admit they handled it poorly because they had no prior experience with this. I was the first person in my family to come out and say anything remotely close to this. So while sexual sin is something that happens commonly, especially in my family, I've seen it a lot. Um, not... it wasn't this specific sexual sin. So when I came out with this, it was like, oh my goodness. Um, I was demonized instead of being treated as a struggling sinner. I was treated like sin itself. Mm -hmm. And this was really hard for me because I was like, I'm not my struggles and I don't even understand it myself. Mm -hmm. But I never got understanding. I didn't understand why people were, were rebuking me or why people were treating me like this. Because I was just like, I don't even understand why I feel this way. Um, I remember praying as a little girl for God to take it away because, and because the attraction stayed, I kind of felt helpless. Um, I couldn't go to my family. I was being bullied by everyone. So I went to someone else for answers. And before all of this, um, I was seeking answers based on truth, but because I was rejected and misunderstood, I sought answers based on comfort. And I remember going up to a teacher and I flat out asked, is being gay a sin? And her response was, it's only a sin if you believe it's a sin. Mm -hmm. And so I had no idea that that was the moment the enemy used to keep me tied down for years. Um, Instead of consistently praying for God to help me through it, I accepted homosexuality as who I was. And not too long later, I went on to believe that I was in the wrong body and that I was either a boy or I had no gender. And this was very challenging because I was so confused and I was ready to like, have surgery one day like this was what I had planned for my life I cut my hair I changed the way I dress everything I just had no idea and the way the world kind of depicts sexuality or gender rather they would you know what I would learn from my my so-called friends at the time my surroundings they would say oh well you know your genitals don't make you a certain sex and the colors you like don't make you a certain sex. Then the people you're attracted to, that doesn't make you a certain sex. And then it was just like, all these things don't make you a certain sex. So I was like, then what does? Mm-hmm. So it, it was just really hard. Cause I was like, well, stereotypically, I like more what a guy would like. So am I a guy or am I nothing? Am I a girl? Like, what am I? And so I just like fully just wrote off gender. Um, I didn't know any better and I just wanted to understand. And unfortunately I trusted the words of the wrong person. I looked at a teacher and I was like, okay, like this person seems to know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, that was the one thing that I I look back and I'm like, that's where it, that's where it began. That I I led, I led by that statement of Mm -hmm. it's only a sin if I believe it's a sin. Um, Homosexuality was not the only sinful desire that I struggled with. Um, sexual sin is something that I saw within my family. And when it got to me, I had no idea how to stop it, how to prevent it or anything like that. I saw like my family being different kinds of relationships. 
And so this idea of sex or relationship, it was very like twisted. I had no idea. I just didn't, I lacked so much understanding. And at around the age of 13, I was introduced to pornography by someone I knew. And for years, this had the biggest stronghold in my life. I would argue it probably had the biggest over homosexuality um, because no one saw it. This was a sin that just when I thought I got over it, it would come back to drag me down again. And out of everything that I've done and been introduced to in life, this has been the one thing that I wish I was never introduced to. Pornography opened up a door of endless sensation that was invisible to those around me. I don't hear women talk about it. It made me feel alone for a very long time. Um, one minute I repent and the next I was deleting hours worth of pornographic history on my phone. And this was the stand where I had to humble myself the most and confess to others and hold myself accountable even when no one was even when no one was watching. My prayer life had to change and the shows, songs, movies, videos, and photos I viewed, it all had to change. And I had to actively choose God and seek him to overcome the temptation that pornography caused in me. And then that leads me into sex. It was something that wasn't wasn't talked about. So when it came to the topic of sex, sexuality, gender, and all these other things, um, they all became topics that no one wanted to touch on because no one addressed it in the right setting. I learned about it in the wrong setting. And a quick message to any parent listening to this right now, I know you may not want to bring up sexual topics to your kids because you don't want them to even think about that yet. The problem is the world is already teaching it, but you can control it if you are the one that introduces it. Temptation is not preventable, so educate your kids on how to cope with it. With no real or right understanding in my life, sex became less about God and more about a worldly idea of love and pleasure. Um, I was told the basic concept of not having sex before marriage, but was never explained why. And unfortunately, at the age of 15, I met someone who I thought I fell in love with. And in my head, I was convinced that this was a person that God had placed in my life permanently. Before I knew it, I shared my body with the wrong person. I exchanged the beautiful and natural plans that God had for me. And I was intimate with another girl. I don't want to play the innocent role either. I knew that having sex at 15 was something that I should not have been doing. And I take full responsibility for what I did. We have to remember that sins have consequences. I can't, I can't turn back time and anyone I meet now or in the future, there will always be a disclaimer on my past because I shared my body with somebody else. So whatever relationship I'm in, somebody could easily say, I'm not comfortable with, you know, what you did because you already binded your body with someone else. God's intention for us, for us is for one man and one woman to come together in marriage and sex binds up that marriage and the two become one. Sex is not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing created by God. But the enemy has taken this God-given gift and command and he corrupted it so we don't talk about it. Churches, parents, etc. Like this needs to be addressed because lack of knowledge is just as dangerous as the wrong knowledge. Um, and this was all like, you know, while, while I'm in high school, you know, I'm 15. Um, and all through this, I'm still being bullied. So I, I, I was struggling a lot with self-hate. Um, I started to believe what others said about me and began to identify with all of it. I hated my body. I hated how I looked and everything about myself. The times my family would start to compliment me, I always contradicted them and would compare myself to everyone else. 
I thought I don't look like her, so so I must not be beautiful. This self-hate only got deeper through the years when I started to see where I was failing God. And I did exactly what others did to me and demonized myself because of my sins and my mistakes. So it was crazy because right now I have so many people in my life that really like, even if I make a joke, they don't let me. They're like, you can't even insult yourself as a joke. And it's like a whole different environment because I'm like, that's not how I grew up. I always grew up speaking badly about myself and thinking badly about myself because I heard what others said. And I was like, well, if everybody's saying it, then it must be true. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter if one person wasn't saying it because I looked at the majority and I associated with that, that idea. Um, next, uh, after like I turned 18, you know, like this is where my life just took a turn. So when I was young, my mom and I were the closest of friends, but the second I submitted my life to sin, it really began to break the beautiful bond that I had with my mother. And as soon as I turned 18, I finished high school and I moved out against my mom's wishes. My best friend of five years had asked me to move back to New York. Um, and at first I said no, because I saw the gift that God gave me through my church. So when I joined the church that I'm in now, I felt like this is the first time, like I have family in my life. Like this is, I never had this. And I had this person, this, this friend that I had. Um, so she actually told me I'm in love with you. So come back. And so now I'm faced with, do I give up the blessing of God or do I go? Like, do I, do I stay? Um, but she asked me to move back and this, I, I don't know. It was hard because I'm looking at this gift that I, I'm like, God, I can't give this up. But eventually, I, I guess my flesh took over. Um, and this is the one thing I regret uh, or one of the things I regret because I caused my mom so much pain. I remember her pleading with me on the phone to come back home and I just rejected her. Oh, I would so you left? Yeah, I, le I left. I got on a plane, 18 years old. I got prideful. Wow. I literally was like, you know what? I'm grown. No one's stopping me. And it's like, even at the door, like she was like, you could change your mind. You could change wow. your mind. Like, please stay. And I knew it hurt her. That's, that's what hurts me because mm -hmm. I know, I know what I did mm -hmm. and I know what I did was wrong. Um, and she would plead with me on the phone and I was just in so much sin. And I'm going to go on to talk about that. Like when I did go to college, I was in so much sin that I just didn't care. Um, and that's so sad because now I'm like, yo, like that caused her pain and that hurts me. But um, it's what I did. I take accountability. Um, I would tell her no and I victimized myself as if she was being selfish and not supporting me with mm -hmm. what I wanted. I was like, I have these dreams. I'm going to college. Like, you're just not supporting me. Like, mm -hmm. that's that's on you. And I made I made her out to be like this evil person. And really, I was being rebellious. Like, that's it wasn't. It wasn't God's plan for me to leave. Um, God just allowed it so that I could go to Moby. But she had no obligation to take me back in. Um, but she did show me love, grace, and mercy. Um, and she did accept me back. Um, so next I'll talk about what I went through in college. And what I was introduced to was when I left to college at 18, people around me introduced me to weed and alcohol. And I remember growing up and hating the idea of weed and alcohol. When I tell you, 
my neighbors used to smoke like and it used to come into my room I hated this mm-hmm. I would have discussion with discussions with friends and I would be like listen I don't think you should be doing this this is not for you do not do this I hated it and it's crazy how you could go from hating one thing to doing it doing that very thing and I, I thought about like when I when I spoke about this year I thought about the story of Eve when she was in the garden because at first she's like even if I touch this fruit I'm gonna die Mm-hmm. And then one conversation with the serpent. It's just like, yep. it's yeah. good. It's pleasing to the eye. It's desirable. I'm like, girl, you you confused. You're a little bit confused. <laughs> um, she just she forgot. She forgot the death. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of how it was with me. I I forgot everything that I had known up until this point. It's like God kept me from doing this my whole life. And then all of a sudden, I'm in college. And I was pre-pressured to start smoking. I remember sitting in a bathroom and like everybody was like, ah, do it, do it. Oh my God. Do it. Sounds like and a movie. Is, yeah. I, yo, this whole thing is like a movie. I don't believe it. It's in my story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was literally like in a bath and they were passing it around. I was just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then I did it. Um, but it was my environment. And I went from never smoking a day in my life to smoking up to three times a day, every mm-hmm. single day. Um, there was one story um, within this that I recall so vividly. Um, so one day I went to a Halloween party. I do not celebrate Halloween, but mm-hmm. I was, yes. I went to a party with my group of people and probably like a hundred strangers. Like it was, it was this apartment. I don't know whose apartment it was. That is the problem. Do not do this. Um, and I remember I, I smoked and I was high. The room was clouded. It was dark and it was loud. Like I remember hearing this music. It was like bumping. I was just like, this was not the environment. Like if people know me, don't really listen to secondary music. I don't really, and this is just a personal choice. So it was just weird for me to even be in this environment. I just finished talking about I hated this like mm-hmm. environment, this this lifestyle. But I was there and I knew that God wasn't happy with me. And I became someone that I couldn't even recognize. And I remember it being like a movie. The the sound of music and people muffled up and everything around me moved in slow motion. And I look and I looked around me and I realized how lost I was. And in a single breath, I remember asking, like, why am I here? Like, what am I doing here? And I just didn't understand. I'm looking, and I'm looking at a bunch of strangers. I don't know anybody here. I was the loneliest I ever felt. A crowded room, probably like 100 sweaty people. And I'm sitting here like, what is going on? Like, I'm not enjoying this. People dancing, people, all this stuff. I'm not enjoying this. Like, I don't feel joy. Mm-hmm. I felt so empty. So I remember I I made my way out the room, and then... I go to a friend's house and when I entered the bathroom, I looked in the mirror and my eyes were completely red. And I felt like I saw like this demon inside of me looking back at me. I promise. I I just don't like, that was not me. It was like, I'm the vessel. Like I'm, it was me, but it wasn't me. And I felt so empty. And I asked like a second question. I was like, who am I? And it was like, at this moment, I had no idea who I was. Like you could have asked me and I, I would not have an answer for you. And so this goes on to um, towards the end of my college experience. I, at least that that specific time when I was in college, 
Um, I struggled a lot with suicide and self-harm. So this is something that, you know, I was going through since I was little because of everything that, that I was struggling with in school. Um, but so the whole time while I was in college, I, I, I was living a double life. And I had like one foot with God and one foot with the world. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. Don't do that. Y'all listening, don't do this. Um, and I literally was leading a ministry at my college in New York. Wow. I, was leading, I was leading worship. And while, while I was going through all of this, and one minute I'd be leading a song for like our Christian fellowship group. And the next I'd be surrounded by the wrong people doing the wrong things. Um, and so like this led me to a lot of depression because I knew it wasn't, it wasn't a call from God. Like God did not call me to smoke. God did not call me to do this. God did not say, these are the friends that I've chosen for you. He did not say that. Um, so I struggle, I struggle with a lot of thoughts of suicide and harming myself. Like, as I said, this probably started when I was like 13, maybe 12. Um, but now I'm in college and I'm alone. Like I, I'm from the Bronx. And so my college was upstate New York. That was nowhere close. I had no one around. Like I'm literally alone. Like, I don't know who told me, who told me move to New York by yourself. <laughs> no one told me that. God did not tell me that. God said, stay, I've given you a family. But no, I don't. went to New York. Um, but I was experiencing so much inner pain um, that I felt like the outer pain would distract me from the inner pain. Mm-hmm. So like I was self-harming and I just, I, I just didn't care, if I'm being honest. Um, distraction is not restoration. It does not heal it buries and it hides things in the dark. Um, at the age of 18, so this was before, before I went to college, I was diagnosed with PTSD and I spent my entire life bottling up pain. And that's what, that's why, you know, I, instead of dealing with what I was going through, I kind of just looked on me, like I, I hit it. And so I just remember like, with PTSD, I was reliving moments. So if somebody would like bump into me, I would recall a moment where somebody shoved me when I was younger, wow. you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like really hard. Cause it was, it was very visual. It was like, I, I would feel like I'm right there. It wasn't like a memory. It was like, I was right there. It was really like crippling. So mm-hmm. every like anxiety, depression and PTSD, they were all crippling. Um, but while I was away at college, um, there was a moment that got really dark for me and depression no longer felt like everything at once. I kind of just felt numb and I stopped caring. So with this, there was a specific day and I went to school, like, cause we had like a, I lived on campus, but I had to like walk up a hill to get to school. And so I go to the therapist in the school and I'm like, I don't want to live anymore. I want to die. And she handed me a few pamphlets and said, you may go. And oh I was like, I re- like, I'm sitting here, like, at the re- I was crying. And she just, she gave me, like, five minutes to compose myself, but just gave me, like, three, four pamphlets and just sent me off. And I was like, God, this is a sign you don't want me. Like, that's literally what wow. I thought. I went and I was, like I said, I had to go up a hill to get to school. So I was, like, at the top of a hill to go back. And so I'm crying and crying, like, I'm glad no one's watching. Um, but I'm at the top of this hill, and I remember I called this best friend that I, I you know, had for five years and when I left for. And it's crazy, because I didn't realize how toxic this friendship was. Everybody, even strangers, told me, 
like this person is using you like this person is literally like not good for you like you need to let this person go and I was just like no this person cares about me Mm -hmm. and I was always there for this person I never expected anything in return but regardless of anything you know you you are there for people you kind of expect like you know, mm-hmm. some like, you know, at least a friendship, you know, yeah. I just remember at the top of this hill, I called this friend and I said, I don't want to live anymore. Like, I I don't think people would care if I were gone. Those are my exact words. I remember the, I will never forget her words. Like, I don't hold it against, like, I pray for her. I pray that God may touch her and bless her. But um, the words really hurt. And she said, Ugh, I hate when people say that. I don't know what to tell you. And I was like, I just told you that I want to die. But okay. And so for me, I was like, God, that must be the second sign. Like, you don't want me. Wow. And so I made my way down this hill by myself. I hung up the phone. And I was like, that's it. I'm ending my life. That was the plan. So I walked home. And it was the, the loneliest walk of my life. The longest walk of my life. I get up to my apartment I have my keys I open the door I lock the door I go in I check every room in the house no one's there so I grab a blade from the bathroom I go into my room and I lock the door um I got on my knees and I was like God I need you to forget about me um I knew I knew what I had done I didn't know the extent of how bad it was but I knew that I had come such a long way like I would think about me being at church and stuff and how far I came and how I was just surrounded by the wrong people. And I looked at God and I was like, I'm too lost. I'm too broken. Like, you can't save this. Like, this is, I've done this to myself. So forget about me. I remember like, I couldn't go through with it. Like, I just, I, no matter how hard I tried and I was like, in my mind, I made up my mind, but I couldn't go through with it. And I remember God just telling me, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you out of this, but you have to give me time. You have to give me time. And you have to be like alive long enough for you, for you to see the blessing that I have in store for you. And like in this moment, I'm numb. Like I don't, I don't care. So how do you care about God and his promises when you're numb? Like I'm literally not feeling anything and I'm looking at God and I'm looking at this blade and I'm like I'm gonna trust you and so I put the blade down I remember calling somebody and I said I need to go away for a weekend and so I went away for a weekend and I came back and it was like God started revealing the true colors of people when I came back because when I called that same friend and I was I tried to have an honest conversation I was like hey listen this made me feel this way this person was like I'm, that's not my fault. Like, mm-hmm. that's the way you respond to it. That is not my responsibility. I said what I said. And it, it was like, okay. So mm-hmm. I made up my mind and I said, I'm leaving. So I talk about now, like, the me being addicted to broken. I don't feel like a lot of people talk about this, um, but it is possible. Um, so for years, I prayed to get better. Um, but because I, I became so comfortable in my chains, and brokenness, I stopped fighting, you know? Uh, So, you know, I came back home and I remember walking through these doors and like I hugged my mom and I knew she felt so much emotion, but I felt nothing. Like I I literally walked into this home like a stranger. 
I did not remember certain things in the house. Like I, I was just so out of myself. It was so weird. But the whole co- the whole time I was in college, I kept talking about I want to go back to my my youth like my youth my youth ministry. Like I want to go back. Like this is what's gonna save me. And so I went back to church the first minute I could. I felt so empty. Like nothing. People started coming up to me, and I was like. I don't know what I went through. Y'all don't know what I've done. Like, how can you love me? I don't love myself, so you can't love me. Um, I saw, I pretty much saw captivity and brokenness as my identity. I got addicted to depression and brokenness because I had no idea who I would be without it. Um, the enemy kind of made me believe that I am who I am because of my sufferings. But that's a lie from the devil. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am who I am because of what God did despite my sufferings. My, my identity was never ever founded in pain but in the victory on the cross um that i said i i I came into church i just remember people hugging me and stuff and i just disconnect and then i heard the voice of god speak to me and he said i did not allow you to go through sufferings for you to go back to who you used to be i'm molding you it's it it might hurt you but you have to give me time i'm like the second time you ask for time time this is this is this is it. Like I'm, I'm not feeling anything. You asking me to care? Like that's literally what God was asking me to do. He said, "Care and give me time." And it's hard when you have to surrender your time to God because you're sitting there like you've had a whole upbringing, and now God is steering away from all that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was painful uh, because I knew that it wouldn't happen overnight, and I had to be patient with God. I had to learn to love myself again. And I had to humble myself and allow God to work in me, even if it hurt. I had no idea what God was about to do, but I was in a waiting season, knowing that the crushing was coming, but I had no idea when and how. Um, I did experience a lot of secondhand faith. And a lot of times we hear this according to smoking, you know, secondhand. <laughs> yeah. But say secondhand faith because I didn't rely on my own, like, not that. Don't rely on your own understanding. That was a mix of words. Um, I did not seek God on my own. So I kind of became more reliant on a pastor to tell me about God's word through a sermon than actually diving into his word myself. And I was very zealous and enthusiastic for God, but I lacked a lot of knowledge and understanding because I was praying at God without giving him room to respond to me the way he wanted to. Mm. If the church didn't preach it, I didn't know it. Like, if they if they weren't bringing up this topic, I would not know it. But that leads me into the most uh, life-changing part of my testimony. And this is where I had experienced breakthrough. So I joined my church when I was 17. Um, I was probably turning 18. I was at the end of high school. Um, but about the age of 19, uh, my life took a whole unexpected turn. And as I mentioned before, I was living a pretty openly gay, gay life. Like um, everybody knew it, my family, my friends, probably strangers knew down the street. Um, but one day a pastor invited me to lunch and gave me room to speak. I'm assuming this pastor saw my social media. Like I'm assuming, I'm assuming he saw my social media. He was like, so um, this person allowed me to be honest and express my personal views. Like, why do I feel this way? I had never been given this opportunity. Like, I'm sitting here like, what? Like, what? you allowed me to speak? But I had no conviction. I didn't know it was a sin. I just remember being like, yeah, I'm gay. 
I don't identify with any gender. Like I had no, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I was sitting there like in the middle of a conversation, like it's normal. Like I'm, I'm chilling. Like you know, he's not, he's not gonna care. This is, this is beautiful. You know, I didn't know what was gonna happen. Um, but he listened and person tried to educate me, but my understanding wouldn't come overnight. I had no idea of what this person was saying. We started talking about like the sacredness of a man and a woman coming together, and at this point, they lost me. I was like, what the sacredness of who? Because mm-hmm. in my eyes, I'm like, it's not a sin unless I believe it's a sin. Because exactly. that's what I was told back in six in seventh grade. So I'm not I'm not thinking like I'm living a sinful life. I'm thinking this is this is normal, you know. Um I was asked to step down from pursuing a role of leadership, um, but invited to continue to keep coming to church. Like what kind of <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I was so confused because throughout the entire conversation, all this pastor did was remind me that they love me. My flesh wanted to feel hated, but my spirit wouldn't let me. This person said it with so much love. Like every single other sentence was, I love you. I love you. I want you to know that I love you. Mm-hmm. But I need to tell you this. And I'm like, man, like, I want to feel like you hate me right now because all I've known was and not it's not that the bible says you can't judge the bible teaches you how to judge and i feel like there's a difference between judgment and condemnation and i feel like my whole life i was demonized and condemned so this is the first time where i'm being judged rightfully and i'm like hmm you know i want to feel like i'm being hated but i'm not being hated i'm just being confronted on something that might be true um don't have this written down, but I remember this person told me, if I'm right, I have nothing to lose. I don't, I don't, nothing changes. But if you're wrong, you have everything to lose. And I started thinking, I was like, what if I'm wrong? What if I am wrong? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Cause I never claim to know. People always ask me, you know, is, is it okay to be Christian and, 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 pursue this lifestyle I was like I don't know I genuinely do not know and I don't want to say that I do because what if I'm wrong you know but I still lived incorrectly because I was I was everybody knew me as Christian like even in college like people were like oh she she always worshiped me she always (laughs) praying this girl she don't read the bible alone they knew me as that even in high school like this was not something that I was shy to but the problem was that I gave this wrong impression of God and Christianity. Mm-hmm. I was like putting Christian on my forehead, but I was doing things that were very far. Not that Christians can mess up, but I was I was just living this life that, that showed that it's okay to be both. And you can't. The Bible literally tells us we cannot have both ways. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember like being so confused about, about being asked to step down. And for the next few months, I wept every single night. I couldn't understand how these very real feelings could be sinful. Like, I was like, this is how I feel. And the thing is, the Bible says the sin is desirable. So it's just like, I'm sitting here like, this is what I desire. This is what my heart is saying. How am I wrong for how I feel? Um, And then eventually, my church had two new pastors transition in. And I had gotten the opportunity to audition for my worship team at my church. So now this is after, like, I, I was asked to step down and stuff. So I was faced with do I say something? Do I, do I, do I speak up? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm not a liar. We, we, we not like that in these streets. So um, about two weeks later, we had an event. Now, this was months after, like months after I was asked to step down. Um, it, it took a lot of reflection. It, it took a lot. Um, but about two weeks later, we had an event where they made an altar call. And for the first time, I was asked what I needed prayer for. I don't know if you've ever been to an altar call. They have never asked me. What do you need prayer for? They just, they just pray over you. They just pray. I was like, what are you, what, what? So I, I remember, I was so confused. So I looked up at God, right? And I was like, I don't know if you're opening a door for me to confess this onto you. I still don't understand why this is a sin, but I trust you and I surrender. I had no prior knowledge. Like I had, I had no understanding of why this would even be simple, but I confess my sins to this stranger and the Holy Spirit filled me up. Quick disclaimer, I was not instantly healed from homosexual attraction. Mm-hmm. Some people can battle with temptation like this for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. But you have to choose to love God more than your sins. I feel like there's this idea that God's going to heal you from that attraction. Mm-hmm. But like the Bible literally says, keep watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because yes. the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The flesh mm-hmm. is weak. So I'm like, no, you could, you could most definitely, because I had to prepare myself. I had to prepare myself. If I'm making this decision today, I need to be willing to go against any desire of my flesh. Yes. God might reveal it, and that's, that's, that's cool. Even if he does reveal it, I might still have these attractions. Mm-hmm. So um, after service, I went to my worship leader. Um, and I honestly opened up to her about everything. She sat down and she heard me out. I told her that at that moment, I chose to give my sexuality to Christ, that I'm not going back. And she trusted God's move in me. And she showed me love and grace like no other. She stood by me the whole time and helped me to grow. She was never afraid to confront things um, that try to have dominion over my life. I didn't need a yes man for a friend. Mm -hmm. I needed someone to love me enough to confront me and lead me. Um, And after a long time of prayer, worship, and surrender, God has released me from all sexual bondage. And I know his word, and I'm no longer tied down. I know who I am, and I know whose I am. And that was something that I'm genuinely thankful for. I'm thankful that this person allowed themselves to be a vessel to listen to me. Mm-hmm. You know who, who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. And I, I give honor to that person. That, mm-hmm. that she really changed my life, and I, I'm, I'm so blessed to to have had somebody just confront me. That's what I needed. Like Mm -hmm. all this time, all these years, all I wanted was understanding. That's all I needed. And because certain things were never given to me, I never had the information. Granted, as I got older, I was able to open a Bible for myself and I was able to find things out for myself. And God did speak to me. I read Genesis too. And I said, I was wrong. (laughs) I said, man, okay. That's right. Um, and God revealed things. Because I'm like, you know how many times we all read Genesis? Like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I read it, and Adam said, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And I said, okay, okay, Adam. I <laughs> um, it, was just, it was just, like, really eye-opening. God made woman the helper of man. And I was like, wow, like, it's kind of like two keys or two locks. It just doesn't work. Like, like God made me for a purpose, and... And he had plan- he has plans for my life. And I can say I'm attracted to guys now, which never happened. 
never <laughs> memorable in the making. <laughs> um, I'm just so blessed. Like not everybody has this testimony, not everybody mm-hmm. has this story, but I'm thankful that God allowed me to go through what I went through. Um, and now I'm I'm free. I literally live a free life and I'm so blessed. Blessed. That's that's the testimony. That's the story. Amen. Jay, I'm so proud of you. Stop it. <laughs> Thank you. Did it. You did it. You know, like, I don't know. It's just so amazing to see like how your life has changed. Like it really is. Like I personally went through my things and you know what I mentioned in my testimony and what you mentioned was like, you know, this is a struggle that just doesn't go away. It doesn't just, it doesn't just, you know, snap of a finger and it's done. It's, it's gone. You know, like the, the last Avengers where he snapped his fingers and everything. Was gone. It ain't like that. You know, even as a married woman, like it's, it's, it comes sneaking up. It comes sneaking up. The past comes sneaking up, whether, whether it's depression, anxiety, you know, homosexual feelings, whatever it is, even by like watching TV and something happens and you're like, oh my God, why am I watching this? And like, even like Anthony sometimes is like, turn that off. You're good. (laughs) You know, like, it's like that, you know? So it's always good to be with someone who understands what you've been through, but it's not a, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's, 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 Every day is a new day. Every day is a new mercy. Every day is a new, you know, a new beginning, a fresh start. And it's just a matter of clinging on to Jesus. It's a matter of 100% just clinging on to him and and just never letting go. Because if you let go at any moment, like it's, it's, it can change everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Definitely. I just want to commend you because you were so raw and so real, you know, and although I wasn't there like during the beginning um, of like when you first came to our church and stuff like that, like, but I, I've, I'm seeing the now and that's enough. That's enough for me to see how God is, has worked in your life. And I'm here for you, girl. I'm here for you. And you are, your testimony is just so amazing. And my my last question for you would be, if there's any of a listener right now, any listener who's dealing with with anything, because it doesn't necessarily have to be with the specific topics that you've discussed today, but, you know, um, it could be anything, any type of sin, any type of doubt, struggle, insecurity, worry, you know, what would you say to that listener who's going through that? Um, like what word of encouragement would you give to that person who's going through? I would say I would say that faith doesn't always consist of understanding everything. You know, um, God can reveal things, but sometimes you don't know all the answers. And so having faith in God can sometimes mean, Lord, I trust you, even though I don't know um, all the answers. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're struggling with sin right now, you have to surrender. Surrender is not partial. That's not something that you could do like, oh, God, I'm, I'm going to give you part of me. No, like you have to be willing to, to risk it all and then you gain it all. And, and that's that's the beauty of God. And we're not going to understand everything. As I said, 
you know, the book of Job talks about that. Read your books, <laughs> read your Bible. Yeah. Um, and God, God talks about his intricate plan and that we, we can't understand everything. So just trusting God, have faith that surpasses your understanding. And that's something that's practiced. You can't, you can't have faith by sitting there doing nothing. You have to pray. You have to fast. Something um, that really resonates with me is the story of Jesus when he was tempted. He was able to say, away from me, Satan, for it is written. He knew the word of the Father, and it, it, nothing could deceive him because he spent so much time in prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. So when we dwell in God's presence, I know a touch is, is, is beautiful to have from God. But when we dwell in the presence of God, there's something miraculous and there's something supernatural that happens. So if you, if you stay within the presence of God, I, I can almost assure you that things will slowly begin to reveal themselves. But you must have faith first. So that's, that's what I would say. Amen. Jay, you did it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for sharing your story with us. And I know I'm so blessed. I'm uplifted, encouraged. And I just hope that from here, girl, I hear preacher. I hear preacher language. <laughs> so get ready. Get ready, girl. I hear you speaking. I hear you, you know, teaching and preaching. I, I just hear it. So I received that. Thank you. In Jesus' name. But thank you, Jay. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you all for tuning into Benevolence, where kindness matters and all are welcome to the table. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Benevolence Podcast. Benevolence Podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for next Monday's episode of Benevolence. You don't want to miss it. Bye.